Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we're getting this pod done early in the week for us. We've been kind of going towards Friday, but uh, we're back on our usual programming schedule. How are you doing today on this Thursday? Uh, doing good. Yeah, looking forward to the weekend. Got some golf to be played, and then I'll find time to watch this Oklahoma State-Kansas game. Probably Saturday night is when I'm going to have time to watch this. So uh, I imagine I will have all the spoilers, and I will already know what happened before I'm able to sit down and watch it. So I'll probably be watching with a very uh, analytical eye since I will already know whether it's a, a, a win or a loss. So uh, looking forward to to everything coming up this weekend. You're not going to try to, like, avoid spoilers or anything? There's no way I'm going to be able to avoid spoilers. My whole family's going to the game. My wife's going to the game. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be at the golf course with a bunch of guys who presumably are going to be checking the, the score on their phones. We've got uh, if, if people who don't regularly listen. We've got, like, an end-of-season tournament for the people who make it. It's essentially a Ryder Cup Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday, we've got morning and afternoon sessions. So 36 whole Saturday, 18 more on Sunday. Uh, so it's going to be a busy weekend, and I will not be able to watch the Oklahoma State game live. But with all that going on, no, I don't I don't think that I could manage to uh, avoid the score and avoid all that stuff until I'm able to watch the game. Yeah, I don't like to – like, it's nice you can skip the commercials, but, like, I kind of like watching a game in the flow where you get kind of breaks to kind of check your phone, check Twitter, or do something else in between commercial breaks. I kind of like the breakup, so – uh, should be a fun weekend uh, in Stillwater, so uh, we'll get to that and uh, much more. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, I'm not sure when I'm making it back up to Stillwater, but when I do, I'm going to go to Chris's and get that OSU hat I've been I've been needing uh, for the time being. But uh, we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast, as always. Colby, where did you want to start today? We got to get, Obviously, we'll get to the Kansas uh, game, but um, anything you and I were talking a little bit before we hit record, you want to get to some of Mike Gundy's NIL comments, you want to get to our friends at the NCAA, where would you like to start? Hmm, I get to choose. Let's, uh, let's just go ahead and get the Kansas basketball uh, NCAA stuff out of the way so that we don't have to uh, kick that can down the road. Understandably, Carson, people are very upset with this result. Oklahoma State fans are very upset. With this result, this was kind of about what I expected would happen to Kansas, which is basically nothing. Um, they did not cooperate like Oklahoma State did. And the NCAA pretty much, I mean, the rules have changed. They don't want to heavily punish current programs for past transgressions because they don't want the current kids to have to pay for the sins of the past. And that took place after Oklahoma State got hammered. So they, they just they handicapped the Oklahoma state basketball program for half a decade with the sanctions that they brought down. And then they decided, eh, we better ease up a little bit. So the reality is we can continue to be mad about this all we want, but going forward, I, I don't think we're going to see too many more postseason bans and all the things that they brought down in Oklahoma state basketball for such a minor infraction. Um, yeah. It just seems like Oklahoma state was the martyr that, that finally got things, uh, shifted whenever you've got people in the, in college basketball circles coming out. And it's not just locally, it's everybody just shredding the NCAA after that decision. seems like Oklahoma State was really the martyr that cleared the way to make sure that other programs uh, don't play 
pay too harsh of a price or in Kansas's situation, really much of a price at all. They self-imposed uh, three years of, of three scholarship reductions, 23 through 25. So that will matter. But Bill Self pretty much gets off scot-free. And um, I think this is about what I expected. What, what was your reaction whenever you saw the news? Yeah, I mean, I a part of me kind of hoped that maybe they would get a similar <laughs> Uh, you know, punishment is Oklahoma State, but I I wasn't surprised once it ultimately came down. And I think the lesson to be learned here is kind of what you referenced that, you know, you should never cooperate with NCAA. I mean, look what that did to Oklahoma State basketball. And I I kind of get it from from Mike Holder's standpoint. Obviously, in hindsight, it was the wrong move, but like OSU did the, you know, right thing, the just thing the honest thing and they opened the books and said here's what happened we took care of it and i don't think they ever in their wildest dreams envisioned what 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 happened and i think it's i mean it's it's so osu that it hurts colby i mean you just look at i haven't really followed the tez walker situation at north carolina the receiver that was ineligible and ncaa said he was out now he's back in that just brought back memories of des bryant the incredible incredible injustice that that was um, just that that will always be with me when I think of the NCAA, how wrong that was. And this is likely worse because it affects the entire program so significantly for years and years. It obviously affected the football program that one year with Dez. But this is Colby just hamstrung Mike Boynton to a, to an incredible degree. And Mike Boynton said he stands, he tw- sent out a tweet after the news came out. Uh, he says, I stand by all caps, every single word I've said in the past. That's all going back on D&D, which I assume is do not disturb. I've got practice. Let's work. So Mike Boynton's had to deal with a lot <laughs> since he took over. And I think that's why he's been given grace from the administration, because we're almost like, is OSU almost through the the scholarship reduction? I've lost track of of the timeline on that. Uh, good question. Off the top of my head, I think that they're at the end of it now. Um, yeah, I think they're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and Mike Boynton's continued to in recruit. Oklahoma State stuff, in Oklahoma State stuff, stemming from like twenty was twenty sixteen, something like that. Yeah, golly, and it just where we're at now. Where I mean, we're going to the games, and and they're putting it up on the jumbotron, like donate money so we can give it to the players all over. I mean, Utah's giving everybody trucks. And the NCAA is sitting around trying to decide what punishments should be for programs from six years ago. It's just, honestly, it's I'm even past the point of of anger with this particular scenario, and I'm just I'm just kind of over it. The NCAA just continues to make fools out of themselves, and um, I I just don't want to sit around and, and cry about spilled milk for too much longer. It's Oklahoma well, State basketball got hammered. It was wrong, but now I, I think we're to a point where we're getting to the end of it, and I just hope Oklahoma State basketball and Mike Boynton come out the other side. Well, and it's it's nothing new. I mean, the famous quote from Jerry Tarkanian from UNLV, his famous quote was, the NCAA is so mad at Kentucky, they're going to give Cleveland State another year of probation. <laughs> Basically, fast forward to 2023, the NCAA is so mad at Kansas, they're going to give OSU another year of probation. It's kind of what this decision felt like. But um, but hopefully, you know, the scholarship productions are coming to a close soon for OSU and they can get back to being the program we know they can be when that building's full and they're they're winning games. That'll that'll be a lot of fun. But um uh Mike real, Gundy, real quick, by the way, um it was a reduction in men's basketball scholarships by a total of three during the 2020-2021 through 2022-2023 academic years. So yes, should be uh out of that now and on the backside. And then Kansas, 
will Kansas self-imposed that same penalty through I've got it pulled up here three scholarships taken off the books from 23 through 25. So um, okay. yeah, obviously Kansas had some some more significant things it would seem going on than what Oklahoma State did and didn't cooperate, but they did self-impose that particular same penalty that Oklahoma State was handed down. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Mike Boynton met with the media this week, and he had a lot to say. Uh, Pistons firing has his top five quotes, but uh, he had some more interesting comments on on NIL that you wanted to get to. Uh, Mike Boynton or Mike Gundy? What did I say? You said Mike Boynton. <laughs> There's so many Mikes. Uh, I meant Mike Gundy. Yes, everyone's named Mike in Stillwater. Uh, yeah, I just, again, I talked earlier this week about the tone shift in NIL at the game with the comments that Mike Gundy's made, and he's taken that even a step further now by saying, don't build it. And when he says it, he's talking about facilities, the newest, latest, greatest, with slides coming down into the locker room and barbershops and hot tubs and all these different things. Don't build it. Put the money in the bank. Put the money in the bank and spend it on NIL. That's just the future. And I'm not saying I agree with it. I only know the sign of the times. And, I mean, Carson, the tone shift is its unbelievable. From the, from the coach's show following the South Alabama game where he's talking about they've got a bunch of kids that just want to play football and don't care about NIL, to now put the money in the bank, don't build the facilities, put it, put it toward NIL. This is a complete 180 reversal from Mike Gundy. And as far as I'm concerned, it, it's a better late than never situation. I, I feel like this whole football season for Oklahoma State, uh, when, whenever we see what happened last Friday night, it just it all feels like better late than never uh, with the offense, with the personnel, with the conversations surrounding NIL. It, it feels like they just they, they waited until September was over. They're like, wake me up when September ends, right? Green Day. And uh, Oklahoma State's awake now. So it, it seems like Mike Gundy has turned the corner on the NIL. It certainly does. And I... I slightly disagree. Like I, I agree with you and and the, the idea of, you know, the ridiculous locker rooms with slides and barbershops and things of that nature. But you know, Chad uh, Weiberg's wanting to you know improve all the facilities. I think that's a necessity. Um, maybe not three hundred millions worth, which he wants, but I, I do think you have to keep up your facilities. But I, I certainly appreciate Mike Gundy's stance on this. I think it's clear he's done the 180 I've referenced and there was a lot of chatter about this on the the chamber on pistols firing the, the message boards and you know certain people were you know wanting to praise Mike and and say all these you know he that he was always on board with this that, that it was just what he says in public is just Mike being Mike and I, I just I don't agree with that I think case in point OSU lost some really good football players to NIL because he wasn't even willing to have a conversation about it guys like Jabbar Muhammad Guys like Thomas Harper, I know he was a grad transfer, but he has a, I believe he has a Notre Dame NIL deal. I mean, these these things happened, and Mike and players are on the record saying they never even so much as had a conversation about it because he was unwilling to. So that that's the evidence that this is a, a reversal in decision making from Mike. And it, I'm with you. It's it's great that he's got on the train instead of getting run over it. And I, I think the administration probably had a talk with Mike about that because it's so important. And uh, so, no, it, it, it appears that OSU is now going in the right direction with this. And his stance on giving the money to the players, you know, instead of facilities is is a very hard 180, but one that is certainly going to benefit Oklahoma State because that's that's where we are and it's not changing anytime soon. 
Yeah, if Oklahoma State wants to consistently compete at the level that I think Mike Gundy wants to compete at, which is uh, winning Big 12 championships, right? I, I just think college football is to a point where, um, you know, once the playoff expands, could Oklahoma State get there in a new look Big 12? Yes, but then you're asking them to beat Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia in back-to-back-to-back weeks. Um, I, I don't know that national championships are realistic for programs like Oklahoma State. That's just reality in college football. The Big 12 championships year in and year out in the new look Big 12, in order to do that, you are going to have to be able to be willing and able to spend money on recruiting and on NIL because the reality is, like, coaching, yes, it matters. Um, Oklahoma State has has had some problems, uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, but you, you just have to have dudes, man. Uh, I mean, Georgia, the reality is that game against Kentucky last week, you or I probably could have coached Georgia to a victory last week. They've just got so many dudes. And Mark Stoops was honest about it. I, I heard a clip of him. Earlier this week, I think somebody called into his coach's show and, you know, asked why they weren't able to do more against Georgia. And he's like, look, you want us to do more? Pony up and donate more money. He's like, they've bought a hell of a team down there. And if you want us to to be able to compete with them physically, uh, we can't with what we're spending on players right now and, and NIL. And he was just honestly, shockingly um, forthright uh, with his comments about Georgia and what they spend on NIL. So uh, I think if Oklahoma State can, can shift their focus program-wide, to recruiting and NIL, that is going to make the biggest difference over the next five to 10 years in terms of being a perennial powerhouse in the Big 12 uh, and being in a position to get into that expanded playoff once every, I don't know, once every four years. Uh, I mean, once a class you get into the playoff, that would be, um, I think that would be acceptable for most Oklahoma State fans. Yeah, I would I would agree, and that's I, I certainly echo the, that sentiment. Uh, the, the focus does shift to Kansas coming to town, and – Colby, it's it's pretty remarkable to me the job Lance Leipold has done at Kansas. I mean, Kansas football, I've said it was the worst Power 5 football program in the country. It, it, they really reminded me, Colby. I remember going to you know, basketball games with my dad in the early days of the Big 12. And you may have been too young, but but Texas A&M, like when, we, when OSU would play Texas A&M at home and I'd go to the games, I almost like felt bad for them. That's They were so bad that you honestly felt bad for the players that were out on the floor. Like you're like, wow, this, that must, that must stink. They, I think they went winless in the big 12 one year. And that's what Kansas football was. And now you fast forward to where they are today and they're, they're a respectable football program capable of beating most teams in the league. I think that's going to be one of the harder games for uh, OU remaining on their schedule. The job Lance Leipold has done, I don't think has gotten enough credit nationwide Mike Gundy referenced it and kind of compared it to the job Bill Snyder did at Kansas State I think that's right because well before my days Colby Kansas State was the Kansas they were the worst program in the country and that's that's the level of job and the level of program that Lance Leipold's bringing to Stillwater on Saturday yeah he's been unbelievable and uh you know Oklahoma State catches a a huge break Jalen Daniels uh their star quarterback preseason big 12 player of the year offensive player of the year looks like he's not going to be able to go he's listed as doubtful he's dealing with some back problems which that that's tough for a quarterback uh you've got to be able to stand in the pocket you've got to be able to take hits and and he's mobile um so yeah a back injury is not something that that he he might be portal bound that's kind of the that's kind of the rumors I, i don't know if it's if he's just seriously injured or if he's just going to sit out and transfer, there's, there's some smoke there. Um, yeah, but... I, don't, I mean, that wouldn't make sense though, because if he's having such a great season, if he continues to have a great season and leads Kansas to, I mean, I mean, 
God forbid he leads Kansas to nine wins and then he transfers. I mean, he could have crazy NIL coming well, his way. But so I just he hasn't played very many games this year, though. I think he's only played in like two, maybe three. Three. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that against Illinois, Nevada. And maybe he gets a redshirt year. I'm not I haven't been following the Jalen Daniels day by day, but that's just kind of what I've been reading online at that he might there there might be some smoke up there. But you know, Bean has played a lot. I played a lot last year when Daniels was hurt. Uh, let him do a win last week when Kansas just ran the football down UCF's throat. But um, so yeah, that and we all know what the backup quarterbacks have done to Oklahoma State over the years, Colby. That that gives me uh, pause for concern too. But I'd much rather face Bean than Daniels. No, no, I'd much rather face Bean. And and again, he's not a bad player, like you mentioned. I think I saw earlier uh, this week he's got 24 career starts, which off the top of my head, I would have to assume is more than Alan Bowman. Um, I wonder what Oklahoma State does defensively against this Kansas offense because last week against uh, UCF, they won 51-22, to and Jason Bean threw the ball. For, he threw for 91 yards. So I, I don't know, is Oklahoma State just going to fully, um, you know, 8-9 in the box on every play, just try to shut down the run and force Kansas to beat you through the air? Not, not sure that they would be able to. Interestingly, Carson, Kansas has only played two road games uh, to this point in the season. September 16th with Jalen Daniels. They were on the road at Nevada. They won that game 31 to 24. Uh, and then a couple of weeks ago against Texas, Jason Bean finds out probably uh, 90 minutes before kickoff that he's going to start the game. They lose 40 to 14. So Carson, we, we evaluate these teams uh, and we look at how they look here, how they look there. And I don't know that we maybe give enough credit to home field advantage in college football whenever we're dealing with young kids, we're dealing with a backup quarterback here. I think this game being at home uh, is big time for Oklahoma State because we've seen that really matter uh, for the Cowboys. So I, I think that Oklahoma State is is very much a live dog in this one. Eight of the last nine, Brett McMurphy sent out last week. Oklahoma State has uh, won whenever they're, they're home dogs. The line only moved from three and a half to three. Uh, is what I've seen on line movement this week. Oklahoma State's a three-point home dog against Kansas. So I think the line had Jalen Daniels. Uh, I, I think it was baked in that he was going to be out this week. So I think this would be a very close game, but I, I think Oklahoma State um, has a very good chance at home to come up with a second consecutive victory that we just wouldn't have seen coming a couple of weeks ago. Well, and you're right to bring up what they do defensively against Kansas because I want to introduce you to their offensive coordinator. His name is Andy Kotolnicki. He's been with Leopold since basically day one, back to his Wisconsin uh, Whitewater days. That's where he was there, and then he went to Buffalo, followed him with uh, Leopold to Buffalo, and then followed him to Kansas. And in his second season, which was last year, Cam Kansas averaged seven yards per play, ranking second nationally behind Ohio State. It broke their record of yards per play set in 1950. And they're already top 15 in the country in yards per play. And they were close to the top 10 last year as well. Um, or I guess they were number two, according to his bio. Um, so in Kansas, this has been really kind of their the focal point of their renaissance. They've been doing it on the offensive side. And they did it last week against UCF. And when people ask me, Colby, you know, what's going to happen with Casey Dunn? What type of offensive coordinator should they hire? Someone exactly like this. Now, obviously... He has strong, strong ties to Leopold. It would take a lot of money to get him. But these are the type of coordinators you're looking for. They run a ton of pre-snap motion, which you've referenced you know, about a month ago when you were watching Kansas. And it's going to be a real, real challenge for Oklahoma State defensively because they do a lot of innovative type offense. He's a younger coach. This is the guy, a guy like this, maybe even him, 
is a guy I would circle with Sharpie if I'm looking for an offensive coordinator. Yeah, and, and who knows? That's a uh, a good time, Carson, to maybe shift toward Twitter questions. We had a couple of people ask. I want to give some uh, credit here. Jay Hildebrand and uh, Brandon Ramos, I believe, sent something in asking, essentially, if Oklahoma State wins a few games, keeps the ball streak alive, what if they get to seven or eight? Will that change what happens on the offensive staff? Carson, I, I, I really don't know. We've got a pretty big sample size now of this offense struggling. It was much better a week ago. It looked like a totally different offense a week ago with, with the way that they were uh, moving guys around pre-snap and, and just giving the defense different looks, trick plays. Um, I, I really don't know. The The idea of changing his offensive staff a year ago made Mike, made Mike Gundy, uh, made him explode. I really don't know, Carson, what's going to happen after this season. After September, I would have told you I was certain that there will be offensive staff changes. Uh, now I'm not so sure. I, I would still like to see a younger, more innovative offensive coordinator be brought in to, to implement his system in, instead of the Oklahoma State offense. I, I want somebody who can come in um, and do more modern things offensively. As both a Dallas Cowboys and Oklahoma State Cowboys fan, I'm very tired of watching offense uh, that looks like it's it's playing, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah, and I, I think you have to reset on your offensive staff. And I, I don't know if that includes Tim Rattay, quarterback's coach, but I would certainly be open to that. Definitely includes Casey Dunn and Charlie Dickey. This just, Colby, it reminds me so much of when Bob Stoops let go of Josh Heupel and his offensive line coach, long-time assistants he'd had for a long time. And we, we all can agree now that – Josh Heupel's a very good offensive mind. Look at what he's done since leaving Oklahoma. He revamped UCF, kept that train rolling. Obviously, he's done a very good job at Tennessee. Um, their their staff at OU had gotten stale, and OU had slipped. I mean, that year in 2013, which was the year before 2014 when he cleaned house, they, they were on a massive decline. I mean, it took a miracle in 2013 for them to win the big to, – uh, to beat Oklahoma State in, in Stillwater and then – they somehow beat Alabama. So um, I think their staff had gotten stale. Their offense had gotten really stale. And what did he do? He went and hired Lincoln Riley, who, again, I will say, was not some name that no one had heard of. That name had been on OSU message boards for years before they hired Gersich. And I think that's exactly where Oklahoma State is. They've slipped, clearly, offensively. And I think the reason for that is they've gotten stale uh, with their their philosophies, uh, and I think they need a total revamp. So I'm with you. I think they need to hire, I don't know if he has to be younger per se, but they need a total reset and some fresh ideas because their ideas have gotten really stale. Now, obviously, last week against Kansas State, they were innovative. They, they did a lot of things you and I have been asking for for, for seasons now. But as you saw in the second half, they, they kind of ran out of ideas pretty quickly. <laughs> so I, I think they have to revamp the staff. Now, would Casey Dunn be willing to stay as a wide receivers coach? We don't know all those things, but um, I'd be willing to keep him in that capacity, but they they definitely need a new play caller. Yeah, I think so too. We, we've just talked about just the natural gift of play callers, and you see it whenever you watch the best teams, right? Uh, I mean, you see it whenever you watch. Um, I, I tend to go NFL just because out, outside of Oklahoma State, uh, I don't watch a ton of college football. Busy these days with the kiddo, but still watch a lot of NIL, uh, NFL, pardon me, and you, you see – the Rams, you see the Dolphins, uh, the 49ers, just the, the, and that's the best of the best, right? But 
you can take stuff from that. Gundy said he sat down on uh, Saturday and watched football all day, and he had a pen and a notepad and uh, a lot of great coaches out there. You might as well steal their plays. I mean, those are the guys' plays I want to be stealing from. It is the absolute best of the best. And I think that there are so many more offensive minds who are starting to understand some of the different things that the best of the best are doing uh, and how to make it fit with their personnel. And it's what I think that special uh, offensive coordinators are really good at doing. They're, they're the absolute best at taking their personnel and making sure that they're able to maximize it. Uh, and sometimes it feels like at Oklahoma State over the last several years that the offense has tried to take uh, some square pegs and, and put them into some round holes. So uh, I, I think that you're still going to see a change in the offseason uh, on the offensive staff. Uh, but moving along here, other Twitter questions. Carson from Tyler Wheat. By the way, Tyler. Section 215, where are you at last week? I made some new friends in Section 215 last week. Uh, Tyler was one of my buddies up there. He wasn't there last week. Uh, maybe I'll see him a couple weeks against Cincinnati. He asked, what side are we taking on the over-under, the uh, team total for Oklahoma State, 29 and a half this week? He says, I kind of feel like we might actually do it, so I'll take the over. I mean, it's been almost exactly a year. 30 points has to happen sooner <laughs> or later, right? Carson, is this the week we see 30? Well, I regret to inform you that um, Kansas has only given up 30 once this year, and it was at, it was at Texas. They gave up 40. They've given up 17, 23, 24, 27, and 22. So I'm, I'm going under. And that's, that uh, probably has more to do with OSU than Kansas, honestly. I am going under as well. I, I don't think this is going to be a, a crazy high-scoring game uh, on either side. I think this is going to be another game uh in the 20s so yeah i'm I'm gonna go under on that one as well any uh what's, what's standing out to you twitter questions oh uh, let's see here uh i wasn't quite ready how about this then? I, I got you matt mortimer does osu get to six wins to extend their ball streak very simple Ooh, let's go through it here let's see um kansas i don't want to spoil my pick they need to win how many six you said Six, need three more. Uh, Just, yeah, I'll, I'll give them three more wins. I think Houston's doable. I think Cincinnati at home's doable. I think UCF on the road is looking much more doable than it did in the past. Um, Yeah, I'll go three. I don't know which three, but I'll, I'll give them three more wins. I, boy, I'm teetering. I we, We've got a five-game sample size now on Oklahoma State. Four of them were bad. You have a bye week was good in the one that was good will howard played truly one of the it had to have been one of the worst games of his life i don't watch him week in week out he couldn't hit the ocean from the beach uh you get three turnovers last week one of those is just a massive swing play with a pick six right before halftime a lot of things went oklahoma state's way last week um again i i don't know we, we've seen five games they've been bad in four of them i i think you probably beat houston and then byu cincinnati this kansas game with a backup quarterback those are toss-ups. Um, I think it's probably five or six teetering right on that line. I I was saying four before they beat Kansas State last week. I don't think I'm ready to, to bump them up two wins after one upset. So I think I will take them to five. And then if they beat Kansas this week, maybe I'll be able to go ahead uh, and, and get six. Good question from Weston here, Carson. Even though we won, what are your takes on the offense? Only one touchdown and the defense got three turnovers. Carson, we talked about this. The offense was much better, but six field goal attempts, 
You only score one touchdown in a game that you win 29 to 21. So positives and negatives for the Oklahoma State offense. Uh, you think that the between the 20s offense is sustainable, and do you think that they'll be able to do a better job at getting into the end zone? No. <laughs> Look, I was encouraged that they played the right quarterback, that they played the right running back. Um, I'm very concerned about short yarded situations, which they continue to struggle with that led to the fake punt last week. And I'm concerned with the red zone. It seems like when they get across the 20 yard line, Colby, they kind of shells the wrong word. I would use predictable and claustrophobic (laughs) for some reason when they cross the 20, they think they have to go to their goal line packages. And I just don't think that works. They they don't get enough push up front. Um, seemingly sometimes they had the wrong running back in there for certain plays. So I'm going to say no, I'm that that's probably my biggest concern still going into this game. Yeah. And, and I think that that's totally reasonable. Um, I, I do wonder Carson, if the creativity keeps up, you know, they had the bye week where they had a lot of time to work on things. Um, and now they've put a lot of stuff on film and I, I just, I don't know. I feel like at times, over the past several years, we've seen weeks where we're like, where's this offense been? And and then they go back to playing in the phone booth. So I'm a little bit worried about that, uh, but I'm hopeful, Carson, that uh, that they get it done. You got, you got Twitter pulled well, up now? What do you this, like? Yeah, I got it. This is where I had a follow-up point to that. This is where offensive coordinators make their money. This is where they really earn their stripes here is you run similar things that you ran against Kansas State and you get you get Kansas to bite on them. That's the whole key. Like, for instance, they're going to watch the film on on K State, and they're going to see similar, or they're going to watch the film, and instead of throwing the pass to Presley in the flat, or I'm just throwing out an example, you fake that and you go deep. Like that's what good offensive coordinators do. They set you up. They make sure the linebackers on the opposing team see the play they've seen on film, and they play off of that with some misdirection. That this is where I want to see Casey Dunn utilize. I'm not asking him to run the same place as Kansas State at all. I want him to use that to his advantage. And this is what good offensive coordinators do. They they show you in alignment and formation things they've run on tape, and then they play off of that. That's what I want to see. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And um I hope that a lot of that that stuff happens and continues because the offense last week was just so much more fun to watch just aesthetically. It just wasn't everybody standing still and, and just doing the same thing that we've seen over and over and over again that got them crushed in the non-con. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Let's go to our man, Brian Metcalf, friend of the show. Game six's DEA, the Dunn Era average, is set at 347 yards. Your choice on over or under. If over, would you take the over-under on the current DEA overall of 408 yards? Oh, give me the uh, give me the over-under for this week again, 378, you said? 347. 347. Oklahoma State was at 412 a week ago against Kansas State in what was easily the best offensive performance of the week. Um, I think we hit the window there. I think they go over the 347, but they stay under the 408. Um... I think that's right. I think they go over 347. Three, uh, under anything under that would be just an abomination. They're going to they're going to lose big if that's the case. That would be, you know, 
flirting with South Alabama territory, but um, I'll, I'll definitely, it seems like 400 is kind of their max, doesn't it, Colby? Like they played, played really well offensively. Um, and would they end up with right at 400 last week? So let's see here. They had, my computer's being slow today. They had 412. 412. Yeah, 412. So that's a, I think that's kind of their, I know they didn't do much in the second half, uh, but 500 yards seems like the, seems like the, the impossible dream of 30 points, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That just, that seems totally uh, out of the realm of possibility <laughs> at this point, and which is, which is crazy, but yeah, that's just a lot of yards. And again, I think Oklahoma State's going to have to win games in the 20s. Uh, last one, good one here from Sam Boucher on Twitter. Do you guys think the K-State game was a bit of an anomaly or was it indicative of the type of growth we will see from this Oklahoma State team as the season goes on? Carson, I, I think that for now, it is the outlier. And if Oklahoma State looks good again this Saturday, then I think I'll be willing to hop on board as, okay, this team is truly growing and uh, and maybe they can get get hot and beat Cincinnati, UCF, um, BYU, Houston, and, and maybe get to uh, seven wins, something like that, which I didn't think was possible a couple of weeks ago. So right now, I, I think it's still the outlier, but if they can repeat it uh, on Saturday against Kansas, then I'll be more optimistic that this team is better than we were thinking coming out of September. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful they've found an identity. You know, Mike was asked about that this week, and I thought he gave a, a kind of some insight into what it's really like. He said, quote, we have to find out we have to find out who we are and what we can get accomplished, not what we can draw on a board. And I think that's probably some frustration that coaches have. Like when we're sitting here talking about their offense stinks, he's like, well, look, can the guy run the route right? Can he make the right reads at quarterback? And I think playing Alan Bowman, playing Ollie Gordon is a huge step in the right direction towards finding the identity. I think the defensive secondary, hopefully finding that that ball hawk identity that we saw with Cameron Epps making big plays. So I'm hopeful that, that yes, this is more what we're going to see the rest of the year. I just, I'm curious to see how they handle Kansas' offense defensively and and can they punch it in when they get in the red zone? Those those are concerns for sure. But I, I do think they have figured out who they want to be finally on offense, even though they, they mismanaged things early in the year. Yeah, the identity is important with Bowman and Gordon out there. Um, they, they certainly looked like they had a lot better rhythm a week ago. And Bowman even said, you know, we, we need more time out there together to, to get the timing down and start hitting some of these routes. Um, I still think losing Stribling matters. But if Rashad Owens can be a big body out there uh, and, and box guys out coming across the middle of the field and getting to the, to the pylon out there on the edge, um, maybe he can fill that role. So get the ball in Brennan Presley's hands more often. They did a couple of things uh, last week that were creative where they forced the ball into his hand and forced touches to him by getting him in motion uh, and not letting a, a defensive back get, get their hands on him right off the line of scrimmage. So uh, I want to see some more of that kind of stuff because this idea that, well, if a defense wants to take Brennan away, they can just take him away. I disagree with that. I, I think that you have to force the ball into his hand, uh, into his hands in creative ways, and hopefully he can get into space and make some plays. Yep, I agree. It's time for the uh, Chris University Spirit uniform preview brought to you by Chris University Spirit. Colby, it's a home game. It's gonna be tough to pop. Uh, it's gonna be tough to top last week. But uh, what are you going with? Yeah, this is a home afternoon game. After wearing the all blacks, I expect some orange uh, to to be front and center this week. I'm, I'm definitely expecting orange shirts. I think they actually might go. Um, I think white, orange, white, white, orange, white. Wow. Um, Let's go with the brand on the side. They were cursive last week. Let's go brand on the side this week. White, orange, white. What do you got? Yeah, 
I think that's the right call. And I, I vacillate between what's the right call and what I think they should do. So I'll mix it up and go, I, what I think they should do is something we've, I don't believe, I might need Justin Southwell to chime in on this on Twitter, but I don't believe they've ever won, worn white, orange, black. I know you're not a fan of the tricolor, but I think that would be a kind of a unique look we haven't seen before. So I'll go white helmet with uh, Patriot Pete and orange and black, tops and bottoms. So okay. we'll go, what's that, Wob? Instead of wow, I'll go wow. <laughs> Worldwide wob. Um, yeah, I'd I'd be curious to see what it looks like. I, I will approach with an open mind if in fact that is what they come out in uh on Saturday. Well, they wore black, orange, white, which is another favorite of mine at home that they don't wear very often with the throwback helmet last time they played Kansas and Stillwater. So um maybe they'll go with that, but I'll I'll mix it up. I'll I'd like to see something new, something they haven't done before. So we'll see. Yeah, I like that. We uh, is it toast of the week time. Yeah, let's do toast of the week for our picks. Let's do that. Toast of the uh, week brought to you by right. Yingling, of course. Oh, you you going with the ad read here? The fire fire away. I just want to make sure our uh, good friends at Yingling got their their due. Yingling, birth of America's oldest brewery in eighteen twenty nine. At the end of the nineteenth century is when Yingling was born. Uh, you can find Yingling at your uh, local gas stations. I was in Onkyo the other day. They had some Yingling freshly stocked. I picked up a pack of that. Uh, having some friends over for my uh, my wife's birthday this weekend. So we're going to be having some Yingling along with that as well. So uh, we appreciate Yingling sponsoring the podcast and our toast of the week. Uh, go get Yingling. The traditional lager is hard to beat, Colby, but I'll be uh, sampling some more flavors that I'll, uh, I'll start reviewing throughout the week. So I'm, I'm excited to do that as well. Uh, maybe I'll have to have you over and you can you can try them out with me. Yeah, love it. I uh, I'm pretty. Once I find a good one, I stick with it. I I don't deviate a lot. Uh, I eat the same things over and over again. I drink the same things over and over again. And that mango that I hit on a couple of weeks ago was pretty solid. So that's uh, kind of where I've been hanging out. But I've got a good toast of the week this week. None other than the great, the legend, Walt Garrison. Walt Garrison uh, passed away this week at the age of seventy nine. Walt Garrison got to Oklahoma State in nineteen sixty two. He was there through nineteen sixty five. Led the Big Eight in rushing his junior year. Uh, his senior year he had over a thousand all-purpose yards, five touchdowns. Went on to play for the Cowboys. Uh, by the way, his senior year, first time Oklahoma State had beaten Oklahoma in Bedlam in twenty years. He was the catalyst for that. He won a Super Bowl in nineteen seventy two with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's in the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame, Texas Sports Hall of Fame, Oklahoma State Athletics Hall of Honor, the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame. Um, Walt Garrison, a true Oklahoma State legend, uh, and we mourn his loss this week. This is. Uh, this is a throwback to a different era of football, Carson. And, and Walt Garrison, he was he was a tough man's tough man, and he did it for a long time taking hits at Oklahoma State uh, and with the Dallas Cowboys. So rest in peace to one Walt Garrison, toast of the week uh, to a true legend. Did this news just break? I, I missed this. Uh, this is, let's see. Um, yeah, I'm showing October 12th on the story here. So I think it was this morning uh, whenever the news came out. Uh, it came across my feed via my mom who texted me uh, and let me know. And then I gave it to Google and, and was able to go back and read about all of the things that he accomplished. So, um, yeah, just a, a legend, an Oklahoma State legend gone. I'm sure he'll be honored uh, Saturday uh, at, at Boone Pickens Stadium. You want to talk about someone who is an Oklahoma State cowboy through and through. He could have been like the mascot. You could have Pistol Pete and Walt Garrison in caricature form next to each other. 
uh, true cowboy uh, at Oklahoma State and Dallas and was an actual cowboy. But uh, how about this, Colby? He retired from Dallas as the third leading rusher and fourth leading receiver in team history. <laughs> that any good? Yeah, I mean, he was a beast. And, and the funny thing is, he came to Oklahoma State as a linebacker. Then they moved him over after his freshman season, and the rest is history. He was great at Oklahoma State. He was great in Dallas. Uh, a legendary cowboy, cowboy to cowboy. Uh, my toast of the week's going to another legendary cowboy. Well, it, kind of. I'm giving it to Alan Bowman for rocking the uh, the Bob Fenimore throwback jersey on his post game against Kansas State. He also knew that it was uh, Fenimore's birthday. For a guy that's been on campus less than a year, that's pretty impressive. A guy that has shown that he's really ingratiated himself not only to the team but the school at, at Oklahoma State, and uh, had to be tough doing a three quarterback rotation when you've transferred in for your your last year of what's been an odyssey of a career. But uh, it seems like he's won the team over. Uh, he's won the job over, and um, I think he's played well. hasn't lit up the scoreboard, hasn't lit up the stat sheet, but I think he's done what. OSU desperately needed, and that's to make the team functional on offense. So, toast to Alan Bowman. Yeah, he's uh, he's been representing our redheaded population pretty well here recently. He's uh, he's the gingers. Ginger. Yeah. What? The gingers, the ginger oh, prince. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, peak ginger there with Alan Bowman. He's a good <laughs> representation. Uh, I look forward to seeing him at the next meeting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we made our picks. our picks. We have not. We've oh, been yeah, kicking we that can down the road. I I want you to go first. I I want to I want to I want to play off yours. Okay. okay. Um. I I originally I can hear myself on on your end. By the way. Um. Now I'm now I'm good. I originally wanted to pick Kansas by by ten, but I think it's going to be closer to the point spread. And and where I I'm picking Kansas, and the reason I'm picking Kansas is. I just trust their offense more than OSU. And in particular, I, I trust it in those red zone type situations. I just think they're a little more creative offensively. And I think they're able to pick up those short yardage third downs a little more efficiently. They're, they're running backs that played really well. Daniel Hyshaw from uh, Moore High School. One of the, My TV career ended a few years ago, Colby, but I did cover Daniel Hyshaw. So he's one of the last remaining <laughs> relics from Oklahoma High School football that I did cover. I just I, – I don't think Oklahoma State can get enough stops on Kansas' offense. I think that ultimately is the difference. I'm going Kansas 31, OSU 27 is my score. I just think okay. – I trust Kansas' offense more than I, I trust OSU, and I think that comes down to just one or two plays here or there that they're just slightly better. Yeah, I, I think that this game uh, – I think it's a coin flip, really. I've bounced back and forth all week. Earlier in the week, I thought, you know – if Jalen Daniels plays, I'm certainly picking Kansas. If he doesn't, then I'm going to seriously think about it. I think both teams finish the game in the 20s. I think it's going to be close. Uh, I do think that if if either team wins by double digits, I think it's Kansas. But I just don't think that that's going to happen. You know, you, you look at uh, the home road splits for Kansas. They've been great in Lawrence. They've been pretty subpar away, just a touchdown win over Nevada in week, uh, I think that was week two or three for Kansas. And then the drubbing against Texas, a good Texas team a couple of weeks ago. I think at home, Oklahoma State gets just the boost that they need from their home crowd. Uh, but I don't think it's pretty. 24-23, Carson. How about that? A one-point victory for Oklahoma State. Uh, and it could just as easily go the other way. Again, I think turnovers are key for Oklahoma State. Special teams, Alex Hale 
Uh, I bet he probably probably another, I don't know, three, four field goal game for him. Maybe um, somewhere in those mid twenties, 27, 26, 24, 23, I'll go 24, 23 is my official prediction. Uh, but I think both teams hang out in the mid twenties uh, when things are done on Saturday. I'm not a math major. How'd you get, how do you get to 23? 23 would be uh two touchdown, three field goals. Okay. So you're getting three kicks out of hell. Okay. Then I can see that. Well, now, 23, like- I guess if I picked Oklahoma state to win, but it could just as easily go the other way. 24, 23, um, with a multitude of scenarios that could get you there. How about that? <laughs> well, I didn't mean to make you waffle, um, uh, but yeah, I like the pick. Hopefully that's what happens. Should be a fun, fun day in Stillwater Colby. Um, we didn't talk OU in Texas. Did you have any lingering thoughts from that game? Um, man, I, I just, I hate watching them succeed. I hate watching them win. Um, I hate all the hype videos. I, I hate <laughs> you didn't it. like that seven minute version they put out. I hate it. I saw the seven minute version. I didn't watch it. Obviously. Uh, I saw the little clip where, where Danny Stutzman's, you know, I know two things. Uh, OU only fears God and Texas fears OU. It's just, I hate all of it. Well, while I appreciate the skill and the talent it takes to put together a video of that quality. Does beating your rival in the middle of the year require a seven and a half minute video? Like they're, they're acting Colby, like they kind of won the, the, the championship. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It kind of the shift with the OU fan base after uh, the six and seven year last year, they kind of reset expectations. My whole life, it's been national championship or bus, which seems like a hard way to live if, if you're an OU fan and you view the last 23 seasons as failures. Uh, but that's what I've always been told. And maybe that's not the case anymore. And maybe now it's uh, start five or six and oh, or bust or uh, conference championship or bust or beat Texas or bust. I don't know. I don't know how they do things down there. Uh, it seems like a moving goalpost, but I just, I don't like any of it. I, I, I much preferred six and seven a year ago. That was much more fun for me. <laughs> Well, they're certainly better than I thought. I thought Texas was better up front, and they they whipped Texas up front. But, but by the way, I nailed my prediction on that game. My exact prediction was Texas is better and should win, but the football gods shine on OU, and uh, I think I was pretty spot on. Do they ever? I distinctly remember I was at Ohio State the year Baker Mayfield beat Ohio State, and one of my lasting memories from being at that game was this huge section near the top corner of the stadium that was all OU fans and that's all you could hear after the final whistle and I turned to uh, Brian Keating my coworker, at Channel 5 and just was like man it must be it must be fun being an Oklahoma football fan because they go on the road they win this game I was I was on the road when they beat Tennessee like they usually come out on top and how they pull off that that last minute drive with no timeouts is just you know, they call it Sooner Magic, Colby. You call it the football gods. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> it's funny to me because, you know, my wife's an OU fan, and they they basically act like they've sucked for 20 years, like you were saying, since they don't want a national championship. And it's like, do you know what it's like being an OSU football fan? <laughs> do you know what it's like, the heartbreak that comes with that? So that, that's – I've always said it, it – it, I don't know what it's like, but it sure must be nice to be an OU football fan because they've had more positive memories than negative. Squinky yeah. does not exist. No, not in Norman. No. By the way, I was going to ask, are you going to uh, maybe you can get a, a split screen experience this week? Big game at three o'clock on Saturday, Iowa and Wisconsin. You tuning in there? I'll tune in in the fourth quarter when it's three to six and see how that game plays out. Watch them like attempt the forward pass. That, that'll be a, I'll get the, the double screen going for that. Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin's a nine and a half point favorite. 
What do you think the over-under is in a game where one team is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite? Oh, given that's the Big Ten, it's got to be less than 35. You were close. It's 34, Carson. I'm so glad we beat Kansas State so we can go back to making fun of Iowa. No kidding. It's it's great. Although, we, we, we got to score 30 before we can start making fun of Iowa, don't we? Mm, nope. I only needed one good performance. I needed one win. <laughs> one conference win is all it took. I'm I'm ready to make fun of Iowa again. Uh, you gonna watch Lincoln Riley's pathetic defense against Notre Dame? Uh, what? That's a night game, isn't it? Six thirty on NBC. Yeah, I will be watching that one. Notre Dame three point favorite. I think that they probably win and cover. USC just they they can't tackle, refuse to tackle. Olay, get out of the way. I don't know. I, Caleb Williams is unbelievable, so I'm sure they'll score enough points to compete. But it's just the tackling is an epidemic out there. Yeah, it's. It's exact. He's built the exact same program he had at Oklahoma. Like they can outscore anybody, but they can't stop a lick. So that'll be interesting. And I, I just, I do think it helps Oklahoma State getting to those wins for bowl eligibility. At the big, the Big Twelve is pretty mediocre. There, there's, the, everyone's pretty mediocre this year. And I think that starts and ends with quarterback play in the league. But it, it's looking like uh, Texas will get a rematch in the Big Twelve title game. Yeah, I think so too. The uh, the Big Twelve just. I think Oklahoma State's schedule is easier than when it, than we would have thought maybe a few weeks ago, too, now yeah. that we've got a bigger sample size. So, uh, great stuff, Carson, everybody. Going to Stillwater on Saturday. Be careful, be safe, have fun. Hopefully, Oklahoma State comes away with another victory, and we will get the recap to you sometime Sunday or Monday. Appreciate everyone listening, as always. Go Pokes!